This is Joel Johnson, Senior Minister at Parkview Christian Church. I want to thank you for listening to our sermons online. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email at joeljohnson at parkviewfinley.org. That was so fun. I, I always enjoy having the kids come and sing for Christmas. Just a, a delight to see the excitement and the joy. I'm actually really impressed with how very serious and very, very professional they were standing. So, so straight and calm, with straight faces. They, and and it's, it's so out of character for some of these, you know, especially the, the little guys who are just so full of energy all the time. I, 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 just, I just love seeing their, their hearts and in worship to the Lord. What a, what a wonderful experience. Do you, do you remember what it was like to approach Christmas time from that perspective? Do, do you remember the, the awe and wonder that was present in you as you got closer to the holiday and, and, and you just got excited about all the things that were going to happen? What, what was it for you that, that made Christmas such a wonderful experience? I think back to, to my childhood, and there's so many things that, that I really enjoyed about, about Christmas. I think, I think it started with the idea of presents, you're just getting, getting toys, not because it's my birthday, not because I did anything, just because it's Christmas. What a wonderful thing for a, a little kid just to, to be excited about. Uh, I remember the year uh, Super Soakers were big. Do you remember Super Soakers, like giant squirt guns, basically had like a two-liter bottle on top? And my next door neighbor was a year older than me, and I, I like filled it up and ran over to his house and was standing there, rang the doorbell, and his mom came out. She's like, you're dripping water all over my porch. Just ruined the joy of, you know, the, the toy that I got for Christmas. I, I remember all the food that we had, the, the Christmas uh, snacks and goodies. And in my house, we, we didn't have access to, to snacks all the time, but at Christmas, we would, make, we would make sweets, we would make party mix, we would make uh, jerky. And, and my mom would make this like Christmas snack table and it was available all the time. And it was amazing to me to, to be able to just go and, and get a snack anytime I wanted at Christmas. That was just a, a, a highlight of, of my experience. Just one of those things I remember, but it wasn't just being able to eat the holiday goodies. It was the time we spent making all those things together. That time in the kitchen with our, our hands in the, in the dough, uh, making sugar cookies and icing them. Spending time together, talking as we as we did, celebrating together, just being drawn in as a family. What a wonderful experience! I remember I remember the joy of seeing Christmas light displays. Just just the 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 beauty of Christmas lights on a on a building or on a tree. As a kid, I I remember at night just kind of sitting on the couch looking at the Christmas tree. We had multicolored lights, and I would look at the wall next to the tree and see the, the bright splashes of color with the shadows of the pine needles on the wall. Just, just the, the, the design just, just fascinated me. We, we would always get a, a live tree uh, in our house growing up, and uh, my, my parents liked the white pine with the soft needles, and those long needles just cast such interesting shadows from all the Christmas lights. I just remember that, that image in my mind. You know, it's, it's, it's that sense of awe and wonder that... that we remember in childhood, but as we grow up, sometimes that, that sense of all wonder doesn't return as readily when we get closer to Christmas. And there, there are years where we really, we really struggle at Christmas time because the feeling doesn't come just because it's Christmas. We, we expect as we celebrate to, to have this, this hope and joy, this, this 
peace and love that comes because it's Christmas time. But as adults, we get so wrapped up in the things that we're doing, the, the preparations that need to be made, the, the decorations that have to be displayed, the work of tearing down, setting up ladders and lights, displays. It's, it's a lot. The food that needs to be prepared, the cleaning that needs to be done so that guests can come over, the gifts that need to be purchased and handed to others. There's so many things that we get consumed by at Christmas. And then sometimes we get through the, the entire Christmas season. We get into January and we feel this sense of disappointment, don't we? Because Christmas wasn't quite what we expected. Because the, the awe and wonder, the love and peace and hope and joy didn't just come because of the holiday. What, I, what I've concluded is that we get so distracted with all the things of Christmas that we lose sight of the purpose. We lose sight of the, the presence of Jesus. And if, if we aren't focused on him, Christmas isn't going to bring hope and peace and love and joy. Christmas is a reminder of, of, of that love that's already inside of us because of our relationship with Jesus. It's a reminder of the, the peace and the hope and the joy we have within us because of him. And when we celebrate Christmas with the right perspective, with the right focus, reminded of that purpose, those, those feelings are intensified. They're brought to the surface because of our attention to the presence of Jesus in our lives. And that's, a, that's an interesting and important reminder for each of us as we come closer to Christmas time. Today's sermon, we're going to talk about the, the purpose that governed the life of Jesus. And we're going to learn from his example. We're also going to talk about Simeon, part of the, the Christmas story, a little bit later in, in the story. But Simeon, who encountered Jesus and was reminded of the calling of God in his life, the message that he had heard that was driving him and the fulfillment of that purpose as he encountered Jesus. So we want to turn now to Matthew chapter 1 as we begin our sermon. We'll begin in verse 18. If you have a Bible and you want to turn there with me, please do so. The words will be on the screen. If you have a phone or tablet, you want to use the YouVersion app, you can open up the app, search under events for Parkview Finley, and find scripture and sermon notes there as well. Let's begin reading in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive, give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, if you're thinking, this sounds really familiar. I think we, we covered this passage last week. You're right. We, we did. But the focus last week was on verse 23, this idea of Jesus as God with us. Today, our, our highlight is verse 21. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This is the purpose that we want to highlight today, this very intentional purpose 
that Jesus lived his life by. He was and is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior, and he knew his purpose. He left heaven with this intention in mind to live within creation, to make his dwelling among us, to live his life perfectly so that he could lay his life down to redeem us from sin, so he could sacrifice himself on the cross to provide grace, to extend forgiveness into our lives. And he lived according to that purpose, never deviating from that focus. As a boy, his parents traveled with him to Jerusalem. And as they began to return home, they realized Jesus wasn't with them. And so they went back to Jerusalem to search for him looking everywhere. Finally, they went into the temple and found Jesus sitting with the leaders there, talking about Scripture on a very deep level. The, the, the leaders there in the temple amazed at the kind of answers Jesus was, was giving them. And Mary and Joseph asked Jesus why he had run off. And he said, wouldn't you know I'd, I would be in my father's house? This very clear understanding of his purpose as he grew up and prepared for his earthly ministry. The events of his life leading toward that, uh, again, reminding of it, us of, of the, the decisions that he made, the way that he lived his life according to his purpose. At his baptism in the Jordan River, the Spirit of God descended like a dove, the voice of God from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. And then in the wilderness, his temptation with Satan, Jesus never deviated from that purpose, never allowed temptation to take root in his life. He lived his life without sin, a life of perfection, so that when he laid his life down, he could make the payment for our sin, that he could redeem us from our wrongdoing and make the payment that we deserved to pay. As he continued in his ministry, he gathered disciples around him. They traveled with him. They were present when he spoke to people, proclaiming the good news about the kingdom, about his role, about who he was. As he performed miracles, they were there. And he began to speak very intentionally to his disciples about what was going to happen to him, about how he was going to lay down his life on the cross and then pick it back up again, how he would die and then be resurrected on the third day. The disciples didn't quite understand what he was saying at every one of those moments. But as we trace his path through the Gospels, the story of his life unfolding, we see this clear focus, unwavering dedication to the purpose that Jesus lived by. Jesus was born to accomplish a significant purpose, a purpose that is significant when he lived. Thousands of years later, is still significant to you and me today and will continue to be significant. This purpose has eternal significance. Jesus died for you and for me. It cost him his life. And he was willing to lay that life down for us. And as significant as that act is, the reason why is even more significant. Jesus laid down his life because of his love for us. Because he looked into creation and deemed us worthy He values us enough that he was willing to live among us, mankind, to sacrifice himself on our behalf and 
to invite us into relationship with him. What an incredible message for us to know that the creator of the universe loves us and cares for us so much so that he would send Jesus into the world to redeem us, to meet us in our sin and offer us hope, offer us salvation, offer us an opportunity to accept his grace. That's a pretty significant purpose. It's a pretty amazing thing for us to think about. How much God loves us and values us and deems us worthy. That he would, he would send Jesus knowing that we would accept him as Lord and Savior. That he would send Jesus knowing that, that people would reject Jesus. Knowing that people would refuse to acknowledge him. And, and that's the beauty of, of the sacrifice of Jesus. That he extends the opportunity for us to accept him. And provides for us a decision to make. And that acceptance isn't easy. It, it's complicated for each of us as we recognize what it is that Jesus has done. There's, there's a complication for us that creates difficulty. That, that acceptance of Jesus is complicated by theology and our understanding of who God is and the way he interacts with us as we study our Bibles and we learn more about him. That, that theology is complicated by the different kinds of churches and denominations, the different interpretations of Scripture, and those complications breed confusion. And it makes it difficult for us to, to define the instructions that we have for our living. And it's important for us to have a clear biblical perspective of what it is that God calls us to do. But these, these differences in theology also create difficulty in terms of our effectiveness our example in the world around us is, as people outside the church look in and they see arguments and discord and confusion. This, they, they would expect to look in and see unity and, and harmony and peace. And, and all of this complication dilutes the effectiveness of the gospel. Our acceptance of Jesus is, is complicated because we have the free will to choose him. We, we have been given the right to decide whether or not to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. We've been given the right to repent of our sin, be baptized in his name. We've been given the right to ignore Jesus. We've been given the right to deny his identity. We've been given the right to ignore him and walk away. And, and here's the, the beauty of that free will. Because it isn't mandated, because our acceptance of Jesus is our decision, it is real and it's genuine. And it's a product of our own minds and our own hearts, a product of our love for him. When we accept his grace, it, it, it's meaningful because it's our choice. Our acceptance is complicated, not only because of that free will, but because there are times when we're torn by our desire to remain in sin. And while we understand the value of what it is that Christ extends into our lives, change is difficult. And when we, we understand that accepting Christ and, and, and being made new in him means setting aside our old sinful self and being made new in him, it's a struggle for us to set those old behaviors aside, to set those old habits aside as we, we learn what it is to honor him with our lives. And that, that tension complicates that decision. Another complication is the pursuit of our own will. As we feel the weight of responsibility to provide for our families, as we recognize the aspirations that we have, our goals in life, and we feel torn. We feel, we feel torn about, about pursuing our own will, and pursuing the will of God, accepting Christ as Lord and Savior. 
But it's important for us to understand the significant purpose that Christ came to live and to die for and to see the kind of life that he's calling us to live as we enter into his presence and we remain in his presence because he was willing to remain true to that purpose. It reminds us of the purpose that we have in our lives to seek him out, to live for him, and to allow him to help us define our purpose. The story of Simeon is a great example for us. As, as Mary and Joseph brought Jesus into the temple, we read the story in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer sacrifice keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now, this, this story of Simeon encountering the presence of Jesus is such a, a powerful reminder of the impact that the presence of Jesus has on our lives. How we are changed when we encounter his presence. Now, Simeon was a devout person. He was faithful to the Lord. And he lived his life with this expectation because of a message he received that he wouldn't die until he laid his own eyes on the Messiah. And so he'd been waiting for years in the expectation of this moment. And the Holy Spirit moved him to go into the temple. And there he encountered Jesus. Mary and Joseph brought Jesus in and Simeon walked up and picked up their baby. That's Kind of an unsettling thing for strangers to pick up your baby. I remember when the boys were little, we'd go grocery shopping and people would, would come and say, oh, what cute kids. And, you know, Caleb has red hair and, you know, the old ladies would just, you know, like touch him on the head. It was, it's, it's kind of an uncomfortable experience when people you don't know step into that space. And yet here's Simeon just, just walking up, picking up Jesus and having this moment with the Lord. Oh, sovereign Lord, you may now dismiss your, your servant in peace. He recognized that this was the, the calling in his life that was being fulfilled as he, as he experienced Jesus. He's encountered the presence of Jesus. That purpose in his life was, was being fulfilled, and he understood how God was bringing it to fruition. That same experience happens in our lives as we encounter the Lord. We discover in him our purpose. We discover in him 
that the answer to that existential question. What, why am I here? What, what is the purpose of, of my life on this world? We discover the answer to that question when we encounter the presence of Jesus. It, it brings all of the, the aspects of our lives in, in, into perspective, into alignment, when we accept him and surrender to him. It's a question that we can't answer in any other place in any other way, even though we, we try. We, we seek out an answer to that, that question, why am I here? What's my purpose? We can't find that answer within ourselves. We can't find that answer in our job, though many of us have, have sought to define our purpose with our occupation. We feel this, this calling, we feel this drive, we feel this purpose, and we think, well, this, this, this defines me. But, but what, what I've discovered about that is that everything in this world that we seek as an answer to that question is a temporary answer. Our job, if it defines us, is a temporary definition. At some point, we will retire. At some point, we will lose that job. At some point, we'll be promoted to a different position or move to a different company. And we'll have to redefine our understanding of who we are. We'll have to redefine that purpose for our existence. That can't answer the question. The answer to the question of our purpose can only be found in the one who made us and placed us within his creation. We can't find that answer in our passions and our skills. We can't find that answer in relationships, although that's a very strong definition for who we are as a, as a spouse, as a parent, as a child. We, we learn about who we are because of the roles that we take on within the lives of other people. But every one of those definitions is, is limited, is temporary. And we have to turn to the eternal source to find a definitive answer to that question. And our purpose can only be found in him, the one who made us. And we discover that that purpose governs all of our lives. Now, it's difficult for us to, to be reminded of that because we allow situational things to define our purpose sometimes. We, we get caught up in the tasks that need to be done. We get caught up in, in the different hats that we put on each and every day. And we go to work and we put on our work hat. We come home, we put on our, our family hat. We There's a repair that needs to be made. And so we put on the plumber's hat, which is usually a bad idea. But we do anyway. We try and fix all the stuff going on. And we have all these things that demand our attention, all these, all these schedule things that we have to run and do. And, and sometimes we get swept up in circumstantial things. And we allow those situational things to begin to define us. And because we have so many different kinds of things clamoring for our attention, we have this, this variety of definitions that we take on and we step into and out of those things that we are trying to use to define ourselves. And we have this fragmented sense of who we are. When we under, understand our purpose from our creator, that we live, to be in his presence, to worship him. It provides value and meaning to our lives that can't be found anywhere else. When we find value and worth in our job, then our value and worth changes depending on how well we do at that job. When our value and worth is found in how good of a spouse we are, then our worth changes depending on how we are interacting with, with that person in our life. When, when we find our purpose in the Lord, in his presence, 
and, and we understand our value and our worth in him, that's a value that never changes because it's provided to us by our creator who deems us worthy of his love and grace, who deems us worthy that he would send his son to die for us. And when we accept that definition for our lives, when we accept that driving purpose, we can then bring all of those other things into alignment with him. We can bring all of those other aspects of our lives into alignment with that driving purpose for our lives. And it's a wonderful thing. I'm a part of a leadership group in town. It's the Finley-Hancock County Chamber of Commerce Leadership Class. It's a very long name, a little cumbersome, but it's a really meaningful experience. I was a part of the class back in 2017, and since that time, I've been going back to help out. Uh, it's a group of young professionals who are growing in their understanding of leadership. We, we travel through the city with one day a month, and we learn about the city and all the things it has to offer. And during that day, there's this portion that we learn about leadership. And so I've gone back to help facilitate discussions, helping professionals learn how to grow in their uh, leadership capacity, how to, how to make applications of the curriculum to their lives. And this is one of the topics that we cover is purpose. And it's, it's interesting to see young professionals uh, confronted with this, this question of what's your purpose? Why do you do what you do? And, and to, to hear them making sense of this leadership principle that, that says you have to understand your, your primary purpose so that you can, you can gather all the things that you do in a day and, and answer that question, why do I do what I do? And bring those things into alignment and be more successful. And as I'm, as I'm talking about this material, as I'm talking about purpose, I'm thinking about how this applies to our faith, that our lives are so fragmented with so many things that we have to do. And it's not until we understand our, the purpose that we've been given in the Lord, that all of those things come into alignment, that all those things can be used for his kingdom and for his glory that we were made to worship him and our purpose is to draw other people in and point them to the lord so that they can encounter his presence as well and everything that we do every every situation that demands our attention is an opportunity to interact with people that we would not have met before and draw them into a into the lord and our understanding of that purpose brings our lives into alignment in him and we find our purpose in the one who made us and that sense of worth then fills our lives. That sense of value then supersedes the situations. It, it, then, it then is sustained. It doesn't fluctuate based off of our interactions with people. It doesn't, it doesn't change based off of how successful we are at work. It, it is an intrinsic value that's placed within us by our creator. And we come to Christmas time and, and we struggle with celebration of holidays. We have so many things that that demand our attention, so many things that, that keep us from enjoying the moments that we have in the presence of Jesus. And it's not until that we are reminded of that purpose of Jesus, until we're reminded of the purpose of our celebration is to, to celebrate his presence, to celebrate the birth of Jesus, that all of those things that we do at Christmas time are brought into the context of our, our worship of Jesus. And all of those things make sense. The next passage I want to, to bring to your attention is uh, Titus chapter 2. It's Paul's words to a, a young preacher reminding him of that purpose and value. Here's what he said, beginning in verse 11, Titus chapter 2. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age 
while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Now, what a great reminder to that, to that driving purpose in our lives, that we've been given grace, a, a grace that reminds us that, that the decisions that we make matter. That the things that we do, the situational things that come up are significant and meaningful, especially when we keep them in alignment with our purpose, waiting the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, waiting for that time when we are able to encounter his presence. And that's the focus of our lives, to, to bring all of those things together in alignment with him. And it's our encounter with the presence of Jesus that brings us into alignment with his purpose for our lives, that, that helps us understand that every aspect of our lives can be lived for him, that he extended grace for us, that he chose to be born within creation, to make his dwelling among us so that he could live a perfect life and lay that life down and sacrifice for our sins so that he could extend to us the opportunity to accept him. And give us the freedom to choose. And his grace teaches us to say no to those things that pull us away from him. Teaches us to say yes to those things in our lives that honor him. And it reminds us of the purpose that we have in him. A purpose that we need to be reminded of, especially as we get closer to Christmas. That we shouldn't be distracted by all the things that need done. But we should rest in his presence. And remember the birth of our Savior. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the message that you bring us from your word. We thank you for the reminder of the purpose of our holiday celebration that Jesus was born and that we can come into his presence. We can encounter him each and every day, drawing our lives into alignment, growing in our understanding of how we live for him. God, we thank you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.